Welcome to the Recess Nurse Podcast. Elevating emergency nursing, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Recess Nurse Podcast. So today is a continuation of the conversation that I had with Marcus Della Cruz. So for part one, we really went over the nitty gritty of, you know, what's what's the fastest way to send your patient up to the cath lab once you have a confirmed STEMI. So if you missed that episode, go back to episode 11 and listen to that. Today is part two, and we're focusing a little bit on how you're sending your patients to the cath lab post-ROSC. We don't really see this often, but it may start to become maybe more routine, at least uh, in the sense that the cath lab fellow may or the cath lab attending will come down and evaluate a patient as to whether um, a patient post-ROSC will go to the cath lab um, in attempt to reperfuse that vessel. All right, so now on to today's episode. Enjoy. Okay, so now we are going to talk about a fun topic. (laughs) Um, What about getting, uh, what about your patients getting PCI post-cardiac arrest? So this is a thing um, and it's becoming more common, I would say, in the last couple of years. Um, so let's start off with the basics. Who is eligible? Okay. So if they're post-cardiac arrest, who is eligible? That's a very good question. And I think there are a couple of questions that need to be, or criteria that need to be met. Number one, is it viable? Will bringing the patient to the cath lab change the outcome of the patient? That means when you have, uh, brought the patient ROSC. How long was the downtime? Is there a neurologic response? And then this, these are not nursing consideration, but it's a good to know topic so that at least you could bring it up once these things come to your facility. The number one criteria is, is it viable? The, the viability, will it change the outcome for the patient? Um, I think also it's very important to get the family involved with this. Um, it, and patients who are post-cardiac arrest are obviously critical and we don't know what the wishes are, what the family's wishes are, but we will do them. If you decide to bring them to the lab, we will do them. We never, like you, we never refuse the patients, but we do have to take into consideration a lot of things. Like, is it viable? Will it be safe for the patient? Um, if we put the patient, remember, the patient has had already a lot of stress from trying to bring the patient back. And if we bring the patient to the lab, we will subject this patient to more stress in terms of like the cardiac area because we do insert like i said we do insert catheters we do insert wires and this can irritate sometimes we could dissect a vessel sometimes the balloons could make it worse will it be viable will it be safe for the patient so there's those these are things that are um that we would like to know if however they decide to do it some important things that you need to uh take into consideration is if it's post-cardiac arrest, I'm assuming uh, the patient is intubated. Therefore, my airway is secured. Um, we go through the same manner of prepar- preparing the patient uh, to go to the lab, um, except maybe this time we have to obviously tell us that the patient is intubated because, again, it will require. And most of the time, these patients are in cardiogenic shock. So as explained, it's important we know the height and the weight of the patient. Um, and 
how, you know, it's important. I think the critical part of the whole post-cardiac arrest patients going to PCI is transfer. I think that's where we do have a lot of issues. We want to get, get that patient fast and safe. So get your respiratory therapist ready, all your transport monitors and transport people ready, get the fellow down and um, get the lab informed, I guess. So yeah, for post-cardiac arrest, viability, will it change the outcome? Is it safe for the patient? I think those are the three good questions that you need to ask. So when, when we get ROSC, the best way to get ROSC really is to get ROSC and then and then intubate after. So a lot of times, you know, like a lot of times you, you see, okay, so let's say you get a cardiac patient's in arrest. A lot of times, you know, the the key is always like, okay, let's let's intubate this patient, let's secure the airway. We're really moving away from that. We can talk about this at another time. This sounds like another episode, but um, but before for a patient that's going to the cath lab, um, there are some other considerations um, where, you know, the people who are working in the cath lab, they're, it's not the ED. So let's talk about why having a secured airway is key if you, you're sending your post-cardiac patient that has ROSC, um, that patient has to be intubated. Let's, let's talk about why. Okay, that's a good question. And um, when once the patient gets into the lab and it is and we have to worry remember remember we're worrying so much about um, getting circulation back to the heart that's the number one concern at least in the cath lab and because again like you mentioned everything is reported to the state there is the door to balloon time which is ninety minutes which I should have also mentioned so for every STEMI case that your hospital is getting there is a window of 90 minutes from the time the patient arrived. In this case, it could be the time the patient was registered up to the time that the patient has uh, revascularized. It should be within 90 minutes. If you go over that by one minute, it's a huge ding. So uh, I think a lot of facilities now, they're trying to go more for like a 45-minute uh, time frame, but 90 minutes is the maximum. So if you, you're at 91 minutes, um, you know, your, your hospital is going to get dinged. Right, and that's mandated by the state. Um, your hospital is a STEMI center because of this criteria. If you meet the door-to-balloon time of 90 minutes in at least... I really don't exactly know the number, but hopefully 100%, that means you keep your status as a STEMI center. And that's very important. And even then, uh, in other metrics, they also measure how many cats you do a year, how many PCIs you do a year, inclusive of your STEMIs. In my area, like again, it's very diverse. We do get a lot of heart disease in my area, as Yancy would know that. So our numbers are up. In fact, the fellows are from experience. They're telling me that they get more STEMI experience in my hospital than in their uh, main hospital in the city. So it's very important that we maintain the time frame. Like Yancy said, 45 minutes, that would give us a lot of time. That would be so helpful for the, for, for the cath lab nurse, which is why undressing the patient is helpful. Putting enough IVs is helpful. Getting the right equipment is helpful because then we don't have to worry so much about it. Why? Because you get more hands in the ED than we do. When this things push comes to shove, when the patient gets to the lab and we didn't, we need to do extra things, let's say to intubate the patient, um, the fellow and your attending 
who are involved in the case, they're scrubbed. They can't attend to the code. They can't even do CPR. The nurses will have to do it. Intubation, we have to either, I don't know if your facility would um, uh, activate code blue or code 99, but in my facility, we don't. We handle the code. The nurses uh, supervise the code. We call anesthesia just to intubate, and then we go on with a cath. After we secure the airway, stabilize at least the patient for a cath, we proceed with the procedure. We don't stop. So, and this has to go within 90 minutes. So the, the faster you get the patient to the lab with the maximum amount of safety is optimal for us. I would commend the ED so much for that. In fact, we did the metrics for my, my facility. We do fail sometimes with property, with IVs. Um, but in the last few months, after we sent out that um, P- performance improvement, the ED has improved a little bit on that. Um, I understand it's busy. I understand that you do have other patients to come into. But there are little things like what do you prioritize to get these patients up safely and fast? So, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, overall, um, you know, we have to help out our friends who are in the cath lab. And, you know, anything that we can do to expedite that. um, And also, remember, in the cath lab, you don't have a whole team. You have maybe one or two nurses, and then you have like your cath fellow and then the attending, and that's pretty much it. So if you think about it, if you're giving, bringing over a really unstable patient, and um, and this patient isn't intubated or you don't have enough IV lines for a patient that really should have multiple IV lines, um, you're really delaying that 90-minute goal and you're adding even more stress. So let's say you send the patient up at 70 minutes, 75 minutes from door to, you know, door to balloon time. Think about how quickly your cath lab has to uh, work in that time frame. Um, sometimes it can take a little bit of time to get that extra IV line. If you have the time in the ED, do it. So, so uh, anything else that we need to review here? Um, I guess you're right in saying that we, we do need your help in as much as like just getting us the right um things for the patient so that you could smoothly transfer that patient. Uh, like Yancy said, we don't have enough hands and sometimes even not the kind of equipment that you have downstairs. Like you have all the sonograms. If the patient is a hard stick, you have all of the equipment to be able to get that IV in. It's our lifeline to in the lab. We shouldn't, and, and like I said, kudos to the ED staff for being able to throw an IV on a patient who is acting up, who's drunk, and like, you know, all over the place and still get an IV. So I would really praise you guys to be able to do that on a STEMI patient that's coming up. Um, on, on, on a last note, um, I, I guess to just to reiterate the facts that you went, to get this patient up to the cath lab, it's safe for you to, it's, it's going to be safe and fast if you do follow all of the things that we discussed, like your simple, very simple things, undress, IVs, and whatnot. And, um, I, I, you know, if there's anything that you need to find out, talk to your cath lab nurse. All right. Thank you, Marcus, uh, for giving us such insight in sending your patient to the cath lab. 
Uh, I think we definitely went over a lot uh, when we went over how to prep your patient and, you know, how to give your medications, what medications to give, and also what to expect. And then finally, if you're in, let's say, if you're in a receiving hospital versus a community hospital and you're receiving transfer patients, how to manage those patients, um, what medications that you may be dealing with, and then also your post-cardiac um, arrest patients that received ROSC and are getting a PCI. We just want to add a little bit of a bonus information. So what happens? Okay, so we send this our patient. Okay, we quickly send our patient up to the cath lab. We're extra special and we got them in at 45 minutes. So they have, you know, another 40 minutes or so um, to really finish this up. Um, what's the end result? Like, what? Are, why are we doing this? So it's it's very uplifting because the change in the patients after we open up that vessel is very amazing. Um, you would literally see when and we see them in the ER when they come in cold, clammy, impending doom. They feel that they're going to die, and it's very valid because that's exactly how they feel. But the minute that fellow or that doctor opens up that vessel, you would see the color returning, patients' vital signs are stabilizing, and the pain is completely gone. It's such an amazing, and I'm having goosebumps telling you this, it's such an amazing and satisfying uh, feeling. It's like looking uh, at a patient's vein and they're all popping out in the ED. It's like having the patient's rhythm come back after doing CPR, but in a very different level because this patient is ANO times three, feels like he's brand new. He even thinks he can go home after the procedure, which is not likely, but it's such an amazing feeling for both you and the patients. And I think that's why we're in this profession. We see an amazing change. And these things for us can be routine, but bear in mind, it could be life-changing for the patient. Because literally, you are at the brink of death. You almost died. And it's such a satisfying, and I don't want to scare off my patients when I say that. Like, you almost, you could have died, but you're back. And for us, it's routine, but for them, it's life-changing. And that's why we're in this profession. That's a really good way to put it. I mean, we're saving lives okay. and all these all these little things that we're nitpicking about. I mean, this is this is why we're doing it because if you wait too long, that patient may never get that PCI. And, you know, maybe maybe oh, you think okay, it's not important to put in that extra IV line, but it could make a huge difference if they're if they're that unstable and they are going you know, for PCI, you know, it seems simple. Remove the clot. But think about it. It wasn't, this was not a simple procedure many years ago, not too long ago, actually. Um, now it's routine, but this this is a life-saving uh, procedure for many people. And we still have to remember that. And anything that we can do to make this, you know, um, uh, reduce any complications um, going into this and then going at, you know, after the procedure is a huge help for someone who, who's going for the patient, for the patient going through this. Um, it, it can really make a difference in their lives afterwards. All right. Well, thank you, Marcus, for coming on and uh, giving us such insight uh, for the cath lab. 
Thank you very much for having me. I had a great uh, afternoon with you. It's very nice seeing you again. You look great, by the way. Um, yeah. So uh, if you need any help, you have questions, uh, Yancy will have my information. You could email me or ask her and she'd probably know it. So this wraps up the conversation with Marcus Dello Cruz on how to really send your patient up to the cath lab and have a nice smooth transition that's safe for the patient and also gives the cath lab a little bit more wiggle time so they can get rid of that clot and have that patient start reperfusing through those vessels. If you have any questions or comments, go to recessnurse.com and post them there. And if I can't answer them, we'll get Marcus to answer them. If neither of us can answer them, we'll find somebody else to answer them for you. All right. This is Yunsi Dursa. I'm your host. Peace. You've just listened to an episode of the Recess Nurse Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Check out the website, recessnurse.com, for show notes, a place to leave your comments, and start a conversation. You can also follow me on iTunes, Twitter, and Facebook. 